Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. It's been a really busy time recently. We've had uh, the transfer window, we've had international break, and uh, I think it's probably been two or three weeks since we last had an episode, but we're back now, real crunch stage of the season into this autumnal uh, section of games coming soon. My name's Steve Wiss, and I'm joined by Jonathan Faduba. How are you doing, John? Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, international break, of course, as always. So we took a little uh, few weeks off and observed the action. Not not too much going on for Sweden during that international break. It was a bit of a disappointing um, international break for them on the national level. But in terms of um, our teams, our clubs, it was a nice little break for them. And we've just had the first round back as we get to the crunch time, Steve, of this season. And uh, as you said there, summer's over, the winter leaves, well, the autumn leaves are starting to sort of fall. A couple of life changes going on at the moment, which we may delve into at another point, but um, we keep on rolling forward, don't we, Steve? We certainly do, Jonathan. And um, yeah, you're right. This is the kind of, uh, well, it's not the final hurdle, but you, we're kind of down the home stretch now in both our Svenskan and Elita Serien. So we're going to be talking about both leagues, at top and bottom of the table, also a bit of the European talk because we've been given the dream Europa League group in, involving both Molder and uh, Hecken. That was uh, a really nice uh, little uh, thing that UEFA tossed up there for us. But um, well, we are going to start in, in Norway this week because uh, there's been quite a lot of happening since the last episode. There's been... And I, you know me, I, I'm not the sort of person who actually generally likes to talk about transfers too much. But um, right at the start, at the top of the itinerary, I feel like certain moves have to be talked about because it could impact the title race as well, Jonathan. So, yeah, you know it's serious stuff when I'm putting it at the top of the itinerary. Yeah, there's certain subjects that you do like to sort of swerve every now and then, one of them being Tromso as well. So I'm amazed at the most recent Scout blog we've had. Um but we'll talk about that a bit, a bit later in the show. Uh, and one of the other ones is, of course, transfers. But, uh, yeah, as you said there, it can't be avoided. And a lot of these transfers could really genuinely determine the title race, can't they, Steve, in Norway? Mm. And yes. um, that's one of the benefits of this season, actually, in Norway. It's looking pretty tasty. We've got a lot of things to play for. Um, so we're going to start there this week, as you just mentioned there, Steve. So you're going to take the um, floor in Section 1. And, of course, then we'll move on in Section 2 to Sweden and cover that briefly. Uh, but, yeah, let's just look at the most recent round of fixtures because, obviously, as we mentioned, you know, there's only been two rounds of fixtures in September. Uh, 3rd of September, of course, which we, we sort of delved into. Um, highlights being Tromso beating Rosenborg 3-1. For those who might not remember where we were last time, just a quick recap. Uh, Handcamp 4, Budaglimp 4 was another amazing result. Um, but uh, in the most recent round of games, obviously, just gone Saturday, 16th of September, with Haugsen nil, Viking 2. Incredible story of Viking. Molder 4, odd 1. Sandefjord 2, Strums Godsend nil. Then we had the big game, Rosenborg Glimp ended 1 or draw on Sunday. And then we had Sarpsborg 3, Lillestrom 1. Starbeck nil, Brand 1. Tromso 2, Hamcam 1. A great result for Tromso. And Havwarenga 3, Arlison 1. Uh, but as you've mentioned there, Steve, the things that you want, I mean, you want to talk about the end of the window, which is something we didn't quite get to delve on on the last show. Uh, and as you say, there's been a lot of changes. So, listen, you take it away. Where where do you want to yeah. start? I mean, I guess what I'll ask you is, 
Um, and we do actually have a listener question, which I think is probably a good place to start, really. And it's from Big Sig, our good friend Big Sig. And he says, I asked at the beginning of the window, so I will. why not ask again now that it's closed? What is the most significant transfer into and out of each league in this past window, Steve? So um, take it away from there. I mean, you don't need to maybe give the answer right now, but just have that in the back of your mind. Where do you want to start with this transfer section? What's caught your eye? Is it? Yeah, it's a it's a good question from Big Sig, and I think there's different times, different types of significance. There's like um, the league as a whole, and then you're looking at sort of big money deals, and also significance in terms of determining gold medals. So I will think about that, but I think um, we'll start with we'll have to start with Molder because I think they've had the biggest upheaval both in and out of this window. I didn't see it coming, to be honest. It often is the way in, in Norway. I didn't think they would be losing a couple of the players I'm going to talk about in this particular window. Um, but they, I mean, you're right. There's been, across the board, really, obviously some clubs haven't been as affected so much. But it's been, you look at this window and you almost it's almost like half the deals that have been going on in, in, the, in the winter, which is absurd, really. It never used to be like this. Um, I mean, deadline day. I, I couldn't keep up, John. Like around the whole world, everywhere, I, I was just completely snowed under. I there, a week later, I was updating spreadsheets, looking at teams, and I was like, "Where the hell did you come from?" Oh, he went there. You know, it's like I just could not keep up. It's it's crazy stuff now. I mean, according to Transfermarkt, there were seventy three um, departures and eighty one arrivals, and that's just in the summer period in mm. Norway um, with an in- income of 22 million euros total average income per club 1.3 million um, nearly 1.4 million which is quite interesting really when you think about it and um, total expenditure out 13 million so steve we actually got a net uh net spend here a high net spend in terms of ins and outs clubs are actually spending money steve uh and i know i know that includes some of these include deals maybe that have already been agreed so i don't know the to be honest i don't know the actual full accuracy of this because Transfer market can be a bit, a little bit weird, and how it um, de- denominates like uh, winter and summer, how it, how it actually divides them up. Because I can see some transfers here that actually, to me, I think they were winter transfers, but um, I don't. Yeah. Well, the actual, they, 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 they the figures, by, right? They, they do it by kind of European summer, and I don't think they, you know, it's the reverse, isn't it, in in Scandinavia? But anyway, let's look at some of the key key transfers that you want to talk about. With yeah, with um, mm, yes. So I think officially on transfer mark the twenty three twenty four summer period um, ninety five departures ninety arrivals in- income nearly fifty million euros for the league which is incredible and expenditure just ten million euros so it's a selling league this summer but there's some serious cash that has come in so Molder have um, had an income of nearly ten million euros this summer they've sold Sivert Mangsvert's the big one to Ajax Ajax were really busy. Late on in the window, they also, um, they, um, I know they signed the Met striker, uh, the Georgian Makatidze, but Sivert Mansvert for six million. That's that was a big loss for Mulder. I, I thought that he would hang on there until certainly the the winter. Um, Ola Bryn Hilton as well went on his bike to FC Micheland just for two and a half million euros. That looks a really good buy, but they also lost the likes of Burke Reeser, who's a little bit that was a bit of an under the radar loss. Tiedemann Hansen went on loan to Sweden to Icor. Eric Anderson to Strom's Godset. So Mulder lost a bit of their squad depth. They've gained a few players as well. 
who I'll talk about. But um, Sivert Mansvert really does stand out to me as a as a big loss, really, because he's he's been one of. The, I mean, last year he was probably the best midfielder in the whole league. He's such a solid player, and um, you know, huge loss for Molde. They brought in Arik Hestad back at the club again, and he already looks like. A, a nice piece of business, free transfer. Frederick Goulbranson, another former player um, from the Turkish League. I used to really rate him. And they signed uh, Tromso center defender Kasper Oyvan for one million. And uh, final addition for them, someone called Christian Kapis on loan from Brondby. I've not got really, I've never come across him before, American player. But so many in uh, outs, uh, especially for Molder this window. Uh, which is interesting. They're obviously in the Europa League group stage, which we're going to talk about soon. They're eight points off the top of the table. They'll want to finish in a medal spot and do well in these groups. So it's a massive last third of the season for them. Which teams would you say have been most affected by the transfer window? Because you mentioned the Molder maybe the most in terms of mm. maybe surprise transfers. Um, are there any teams that you would say have been really massively hampered by it? Um, and which teams have been really maybe boosted by it? Well, I said in the last show I wanted to see Viking really go all out for the title, right? And they've not let me down. They've actually, crucially for Viking, they've not lost anyone of, of significant importance. Um, and they've added some players. Joe Bell has come back to the club. He was brilliant for them last season, of course. Uh, they're signing from Bromby for €600,000. Uh, they've brought in a Ranheim defender called Sondre Longas who's already scored a goal for them. A quarter of a million euros there. Samuel Adigbenro on loan from the Chinese League. Now, the last time he was He's seen back. in Scandinavia, yeah, he was tearing up, wasn't he, for Norshipping? You know, reliable player. He, a player, a big game player as well. So I'm really pleased for them that they've brought in three players in different areas of the field. And most importantly, they've not really lost anyone of significance that you would say weakens them. And that, that was the big problem for Viking last year. They lost players of serious importance in this window. And I think they've learned their lesson. And, yeah, I think it's fair to say they've backed the manager and they are going all out for this title. So I think that they are a major beneficiary in this transfer window. If you look at their rivals, you know, Tromso haven't really added anyone, but, but they've lost a couple of players. Glimt, of course, did lose Hugo Vettelson, which, I mean, I think since he's left, they haven't been quite the same. Really, so yeah, it's it's one of those. I think Viking is certainly at the moment the team that have been really beneficial in terms of a side that perhaps have lost out. Lillestrom, for me, Akor Adams was a major, major loss. The top scorer in the league, they got good money for him. And they've also lost Vettel Dragnes to Charlois in Belgium, and it's only a quarter of a million. Sale, but I think he was quite an important player for them. Can play left wing back, centre back on the left, and he's impressed me in recent years. So they haven't re really replaced Akor Adams uh, at all. Uh, they've still got obviously Len Olsen up front, which is a great striker. But I think it's going to be a long term project for them to re replace someone of Akor Adams' quality. They have brought in Sam Rogers at the back and someone called Frederick Elekar, a left back from Hobro in. Um, in Denmark, and a couple of other players. Matisse Bolly's come in. I mean, the last time he was in the league, I never rated him really much. He doesn't finish enough of his chances. Former Mulder and Starbeck player. So I think Lillestrom 
I've definitely been weakened in this window to answer your original question. Yeah, and just looking at the uh, result this weekend as well, maybe that impacted Lillestrom. They lost 3-1 at Sarpsborg. Uh, new signing actually did score, didn't they? Closely Thompson um, off the bench. Uh, mm. He's come from, I think, is it Toronto FC um, on loan? And I noticed also that uh, Salzburg's sort of Swedish invasion continues. Um, they had a player from on loan. They've got a player from Hacken, Franklin Uchenna Tebo, who, funnily enough, uh, he he played uh, against Aberdeen in that famous win for for um, for Hacken, uh, which turned out to be the last game for um, turned out to be the last game for one of their key men who we might talk about in a minute. But yeah, on on Tebo, that was his last ever game for the club. And they actually announced his departure straight after the final whistle. So I don't know if, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if the deal was already done when he played, but uh, he had a bit of a mare uh, in that game as well. And uh, They've been very, very active, Sarpsborg. I mean, you look at the yeah. ins and outs there. I mean, it's, it looks more like an off-season window, doesn't it? I mean, I think it's about eight in and about nine out which is out pretty outrageous. Um, they've always been a high turnover club and um, that can be a problem, but um, it looks like they've, they've got a few gems here and there um, You know, in this department. One other club I just want to talk about in transfers is Volarenga. You know, down there struggling this season. Um, they did have that change of manager a few months ago, but they brought in two key players in this window. Elias Hagen from EFK Jotterborg and Andre Illich, a centre-forward from one of the Latvian clubs. Both were on the score sheet at the weekend against Arlison. Both cost nearly €2 million Euros between them. And, you know, already you can probably say that's good money invested. Um, you know, you could say maybe they might buy themselves out of trouble, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and if you look at the form table at the moment in the league, um, Brown are actually currently top of the form table in terms of the last four matches. They've won four straight. Uh, but Viking are top of the table for the last six matches. Um, they've got a total of 16 points from their last six games. And Salzburg actually up there as well. In the last four matches, they've got nine points doing fairly well. V, uh, you know, Viking as well, as I mentioned, a form team. I mean, if we sort of move away from transfers now, I mean, Rosenborg mm, yeah. are one other team. I think you briefly touched on, of course, Los Holzer. Um, there's quite a bit of movement there, isn't there, Rosenborg, that could be interesting. Um, what do you think about the table as it stands if we go to look at the league and, and, and sort of discuss what's been happening? Because a hell of a lot of things have been happening. I mean, we've got manager changes. We've got a big title race. You know, maybe let's start with the manager changes, Steve. I mean, there's a lot going on in Norway this week, really, isn't there? Just tell us. Mm. Um, we've got an American returning to Norway. Yeah, I mean, the two manager changes recently... And more are definitely down towards the bottom of the table. It's the sixth manager changes. Uh, the, remember last year there was no, no sackings, no changes, no nothing. Sixth uh, change of role this year at Starbeck. Bob Bradley has taken over. Former Starbeck manager, averaged one point seven four points per game with them the last time he he was with the club in around two thousand and fifteen. So he's got a history here. Um, it just wasn't happening with Lars Bahina, and I think they lost something like six or seven games in a row. So I think it was probably a smart move. Uh, Bradley has lost his first game in charge, but only 1-0 home to Bran. And we can't really hold that against him too. Some really big games coming up soon. And they are, what, four points adrift of safety. And uh, Haugesund, Justin Grindhaug is no longer their manager. 
he has well he, he resigned technically um looks like he's gonna be moving, moving to an advisory role um sanchiv manoran is the temporary head coach i saw an article i was reading an article earlier about how there's a, a possible accusation that grindhag has been bullied out of the club by certain local media and fans um wanting a manager change he is kind of known as mr hargerson's you know he cut his one of his veins argus and blood would come out of it so it's a bit of a shock move they're not exactly doing terribly but they are now in the bottom three so i think both of these clubs are starting to panic a little bit and uh, that's what i think bradley it's a really interesting i think it's a bit of a coup actually he's, he's a big reputation isn't he? he's been doing quite well in the states i know it didn't work out for him at toronto but if anyone can sort of get Starbuck back on track, it might be him. And your know, Hargus and I did say at the start of the season, I worried for them. And I just, I, I, at the moment, I think they may well be the team, uh, along with Alisson, who, who go down. But uh, yeah, again, to that time of season now where, where certain clubs will start to panic. Yeah, and we've gone from no managerial changes, I believe, last season, to I think that now makes six. it six managerial changes, maybe even more. If you include mm-hmm. caretaker spells, yeah, uh, we got well. Arlison changed manager. Uh, Wallerenga changed, and then obviously caretaker for Arlison again. Rosenborg, Lillestrom, Wallerenga, then Lillestrom obviously with their appointment. Starbeck and Halgerson. So in total, you could say you know look one, what one, two, three, four, five, seven changes. Um, what do you put that down to, Steve? Is it just a, you know? Is it maybe? I mean, you mentioned transfer deadline day was crazy as well. Is it Fabrizio Romano? Is it kind of like, are we following the European trend here, the Western European trend now, and sort of big transfers and sackings, and here we go? Is that the new the new way in Norway, or is it just a turbulent period, a bit a bit random, you know, kind of just a just a off, you know, just a random season? Clubs were very patient last year. I think that's what we've got to say. I think you could almost expect issues this year that. You know, look at for Germo, for example, at Volarenga. I think they gave him, I think they, they felt like they'd given him long enough, but you then never would have seen Guy Backer switching from Lillestrom, for example. Um, you know, it's Chettle wrecked out Rosenborg, did well last season, and then suddenly he's under huge pressure. So, yeah, I think, I think it's just kind of normal stuff, really. I think last year, last year was the exception, the freak that clubs have been generally more patient, but um, it feels like there's a bit more cutthroat. Uh, a bit more ruthlessness this year. I don't know maybe why. But I, th- I do think the Elite Serian is quite a strong league. I think there's a good standard of football in it this year. I think it's really improving. And maybe when that happens, um, teams just get a bit more cutting edge and ruthless. It's just a possible theory about it. And uh, yeah, perhaps some would say there's maybe been two or three harsh shackings this year. Let's have a little focus on Bob Bradley. And um, the man, a well-travelled man. This is going to be his. Well, he's been he's managed in six different countries now. Uh, this is not his first rodeo mm. in Norway, of course. Twenty fourteen, he was appointed manager of Starbeck, and he's now back. Um, is this a permanent deal? Is this is he there for the long term? Is this an interim role? Um, Starbeck, you mentioned earlier. I mean, they are they are bottom of the form table. Um, you know, it, with their terrible run of zero points in the in recent matches. I mean, his most recent roles have been Toronto FC. Uh, that role ended in 59 games. 
uh, and averaged, I think, a 23.73 win percentage, according to Wikipedia, which isn't amazing. But uh, at Starbuck in his first role, 52.78% win, win percentage um, in his 72 uh, games for the club, according to, again, uh, Wikipedia. What's give us just give us a bit of an American flavor on Bob Bradley, Steve, for those who are listening. Mm. Who is he? What What's his track record in Starbuck? You know, what are your thoughts on him? I know you're an opinionated man. I, I like him. The, let's hear the meat man soccer take mm. on this manager. I've always liked him. I I, I like his jif, his jibe. <laughs> he talks a good game. Um, he's to the point. He's a positive manager. He likes to have a go. So that already, you know, you know me. I like a bit of attacking football. I like teams that are a bit chaotic, and and he's definitely chaotic. That that LAFC team that he was in charge of the first two years at LAFC was brilliant. That, that was some of the best football you'll see in MLS. I absolutely loved it. And uh, wherever he goes, apart from Toronto and, and Swansea, which was a very short stint, um, and Toronto are a club, I know for a fact that they've been on the downer off the field anyway, so I'm not even going to blame him too much there. Um, but you know, he's someone I've followed a lot in, in his career. You know, at Starbeck to start with, at Lave, he was there for a couple of seasons in France. And... Um, what you're going to get from him is a much more attacking style and and they need it because they can't score goals. If you look at Starbeck's recent run, the main reason they're losing games is because they can't find the back of a net, John. Um, I mean, again, if, unfortunately, in his first match, they still haven't scored. But, you know, they didn't play too badly against Bran. And that is one of the tougher games. They're going to be facing Arlison next. So already that's a must. That's like a six-pointer, isn't it? Down at the bottom of the table. Um but my, the big thing with Bradley, you wouldn't call him tactically astute. He will, um, you know, obviously he will have quite a lot of entertainment with his uh, systems. But he's a strong motivational manager who uh, likes to have a good go. And I think um, that's the thing that I take out of it with, uh, with Bradley, that he is going to make a difference off the field as well as on it and get these players fired up. So I think if they can't score goals under him, then um, they might not score many at all. And just briefly, Steve, before we move on, uh, who would you say has got the better manager? Because obviously, if you look at the league table at the moment, uh, Haugesund are down there as well. I mean, Arlison are a different matter, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, with the appointment of um, the new the new manager at Haugesund, um, I know it's currently a believer caretaker, is it Sanchev Manaharan? Yes, yes. But, you know, who would you, obviously, with Lars Bohinen leaving uh, and Jostan Grinhauer leaving, who would you say who would you say had to roll the dice more? And who's got the better manager out of Rob Bradley and, and, and this uh, current new manager, in your opinion? And also just, you know, Lars Bohinen is quite a big character in uh, Norway. Why, why hasn't it worked out for him in this role? Because I thought he was quite highly rated. Um, I think with Lars Bohinen, he, he's had a collection of failures in his time in the Norwegian elitisarium, but he's also had some successes as well. He's very hit or miss. I think what Lars Bohinen is, is a, is a, um, a re, he, he's an impact manager. He came in last year and he got them promoted. I've seen him come into teams before, keep them up. He's especially uh, a very good manager at getting teams out of Obos. And, uh, and then sometimes it just seems to go flat for him for whatever reason. So he, yeah, he's very much all or nothing really is, uh, is Lars Bohemian and Starbeck definitely had to roll the dice. If you look at their results, yeah, something had to change. And uh, they've got, I mean, they've got a decent manager there, I think, who could, could make a difference. 
whether or not he can keep that squad up is a different question entirely. As for Hargerson, I just think when you look at them, I mean, they've done well to get 20 points, to be honest. I had them down as rock bottom this year. So I think they've kind of overachieved to an extent. I don't think they had to change manager. Um, you know, Grindhow is moving supposedly to an advisory role. So he's still going to be around the club. And that probably helps them, really. They're quite a close-knit outfit there. Always quite um, a family sort of feel there to, to, to Hargus. And I don't know much about this Sanchev Manoran. You know, will they end up with a more permanent coach? I don't know. It, it seems a bit of a surprising move. I, I would have just kept with Grindhaug until the end, although it, it sounds like he was forced out a bit. He's resigned his position because I think he was feeling the pressure too much from fans and the media. So it's a shame when someone feels like that, but that's the nature of this business, isn't it? Where I think it's hard to criticise what Justin Grindhaug's done, though, in recent years. The, the resources here at Hargerson are just not that good. And um, I feel like he's done a decent job, but I guess he, he felt it was time just to switch roles. Switch roles indeed, and that is it. So Bob Bradley um, in and uh, a caretaker in at Halgerson. Let's just look a little bit further at, um, at some other key games. I mean, see, we have to talk about Viking. Uh, you know, they mm. are flying at the moment and uh, sort of arrived out of nowhere. We've had a few listener questions over the last few weeks about them. You know, that momentum's just been building and building. And as we stand, Steve, with nine games to go, they're top of the league. Well, this is the big talking point, isn't it? The um, the elite Serian title race. Genuine three, three-way battle. Um, I suppose even the likes of Mulder and Bran fans can still dream of potentially winning the title as well, or certainly a medal. Things have really got close. I mean, Viking have won something like 11 of the last 12 games. Buddha Glimpse are off the top of the table for the first time this season, I do believe, certainly since the early round. So they've been chased down by this Viking machine. Tromso are still staying put. Um, you know, they they beat Ham Cam, although they did have that really poor recent defeat against Sarpsborg away. And I've been it's getting to the stage now where I've been looking at the remaining fixtures and I've been crunching the calculator, things like that. You know how it gets, Jonathan. And it's really interesting. Um you won't be surprised to hear I am ruling Tromso out of contention. Um, they have six of their last nine matches away from home. And I think they've got a hell of a tough fixture list, to be honest. And, you know, they've well, let's, let's stick to Viking for now. I mean, what, you know, we can do an over overview of the time oh, okay. in a minute. But let's just stick with Viking because, I mean, this is some sensational story, Steve. I mean, even with Glimp, the two points above Glimp where, you know, Glimp have been this sort of unstoppable force. What is actually happening at Viking that sort of propelled them this way? Is it just like, is it just a bit kind of fluky? Have they sort of found themselves top of the table by chance? I mean, I know in recent episodes you talked about sort of trip hitch and you talked about one or two other factors, but this sort of sustained momentum, it, it hints at something genuine here, doesn't it? I think if you look at their underlying numbers, they're quite good. They're, they're a legit top four side. And I think what they've, what's just happened to them in this run is they've scored goals at crucial times in games. Like, there's been two or three very late wins. Uh, the one at Starbeck springs to mind. That was about mid-July. They obviously beat Buda Glimp 3-2. Um, you know, they're, they're, I think they beat Starbeck late in the home game as well. So, it just, it just feels like things have been going their way. 
can they keep that up? It's really hard, isn't it? When you've won 11 out of 12, inevitably some sort of drop points will come, perhaps when we least expect it to happen. But Trippich has certainly led the way. He's been inspirational for them in attack. I really like the signings of Salverson and D'Agostino in, 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 in the forward areas this year. David Bracalo has been one of the, the best defenders in, in Elite Serian. And, and now they've reinforced that midfield by bringing back Joe Bell and you know, added Benro into the attack as well. So they've got options. Um, but the key with Viking now for me is they're in a position they're not used to being. They are top of the table with nine games to go. Now, I don't know when the last time they won the league. It's a long time ago, probably. Um, it all comes down to the mental state now because obviously Glimt have won titles in recent years. Viking are facing Viking's two most important games remaining are Mulder away on the 1st of October and then Viking against Tromsø on the 22nd of October. Now, at the start of the season, if you had said to me, I think about round 24, round 25 game between Viking and Tromsø would be potentially title deciding. I mean, we'd have laughed, wouldn't we? But I mean, that game looks massive now. Um, but They've got some other favourable fixtures as well. I think there was a question that I think Andy Martin might have um, uh, asked us. It are, are they now the favourites? Are they now in pole position? The bookmakers certainly still make Buda Glimp the favourites, but I, I think it's close. I think Viking don't have any European football to play. Those two games that I mentioned, the only real standouts on paper that are tough. Now titles are not won on paper. But they've, guys, it's really close. It's a question of do you believe that they can hold their nerve mentally? I think it comes down to that now because technically on the field, they've been playing some great football. It's just whether they could hold it together in their heads. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, Andy Martin, at FPL tactician, who, uh, by the way, we have to give a big shout out to because uh, as things currently stand, I believe... He, he was top, top of, of the he is still top of our point. he is still top of our Nordic football podcast fantasy league. He's got an eleven point lead on fantastic FPL Trini. Um he only picked up forty one points in the last round, but he is doing very well. Um and he does ask, are Viking favourites for the title now, or would you still say BG? Now just looking at uh Buddha Glimpse underlying numbers, Steve, they are still top in expected goals and expected goals against. So statistically they are still the team to beat, but um, could you make the case for either side for us? Yeah, I also want to give a massive shout out to Andy Martin. I think at one stage this summer, he was top of the entire elite Aserian fantasy of anyone playing in the whole game. He was, I think he was top for one week. Um, so he's had a great year fantasy wise. Well done, Andy. Um, what the Buddha Glimpse have just, I mean, it looked like they were going to run away with the title, didn't it? But they've been pegged peg back by Viking and Tromso. One thing I will say for Glimp is six of their last nine games are at home. They've played more away games than any other side. And if you look at the games they've dropped points in, with the exception of probably Hamcam away and Godset away, I think, I mean, they just drew against Rosenborg on the road, one all. That's not a terrible result, really, when you think about things. It was a full house at Lurkendale. Rosenborg still have quality. I'm, not, You know, you can't really hold that against them too much. So I don't think they've actually done too badly in in this run. I mean, they've lost against Tromso and Viking. Now that happens. They're up there at the top of the table. They drop points against Mulder. They've not dropped many other points at all. I mean, Bran earlier on in the season. So it might be a case of that they, you know, 
they're really strong at home. They probably win all the remaining home games. So they're certainly not out of it, but they do have Europa League uh, games, Conference League matches to play. That can hinder them. I, I don't think them to the same team they used to be um, when they have two games in a week. Uh, they've also got Norwegian Cup semi-finals, potentially a final to come. So they're going to have a hectic schedule. I suppose if a team can do it, it is them. But I, I think they're going to need a little bit of help, you know, Glimt. If they win the title, I think they're going to need Viking to slip up a few times because uh, I don't think Glimt are going to close the season with nine straight wins. I'm not even sure they're going to win, you know, seven out of nine. So I think they're going to need a little bit of help from Viking, but it, it's going to get really, it could get really tense, this battle. And, um, you know, in my experience, we've not really had this very often, have we, in Norway recently? It's always been one team's been dominant. So it's an unusual title race, and um, I guess there's a lot of questions that, that that might happen. Yeah, long long way to go, uh, but we have to give a massive shout out to Viking. We're also going to give a massive shout out to Tromso. I know you might not uh, do that, but I will say thank you also to to Andy for the question and for doing so well in fantasy. Uh, Tromso are currently third, forty five points. So you know there are three teams there with it, three points for each other. And then Mulder for five points further behind, so um, and eight points off the top Mulder. So it's looking maybe Mulder really need a good run now if they're gonna if they're gonna um, be in it. But uh, Steve, let's just get your take there. Uh, is it a three horse race? Just in a, in a brief sentence, or do you expect anyone now? Mm. I mean, Brown, as I mentioned, the top of the form table. Do you, do you see anything changing, or is it is it is it those three now? I think so. And, and to be fair to Trump, so they have looked a bit more convincing recently at home. Uh, certainly. Um, and there is, uh, I do want to remind people, a, a Scout blog that we've done on, on Trump. So um, it's quite an interesting read. I'm quite uh, generous towards them in, in that write-up. Um, but as, as as previously mentioned, I am I'm, I am going to rule them out of the race because I think, just I'm just looking at their remaining fixtures. It's tough, really tough. They've got six out of nine on the away from home. They've got to travel to Bran, Viking, and Mulder. I mean, those look like that's really tough games. So, look, if Tromso were to win the league from here, you know, fair, absolute fair play to them. I, I, it would be remarkable uh, considering. Um, and also, they've not got the, the, the same uh, clout in the transfer window that the other teams have had around them. So, it would be a hell of a story, really. But they're still up there. I mean, they're not out of it at all. They've got more of a chance of winning it than Mulder and Bran have. Uh, Mulder and Brand look like two teams that perhaps just finding some real form at, at perhaps the right time. But Mulder have got some tough games as well. They uh, are involved in Europe. So I just think it might be a step too far for Mulder. But let's, go, let's wait and see. There's going to be a few twitchy teams in the next few weeks, Jonathan. Um, who can take the ball by the horns? It's not a boring title race, let's just say that. It's very entertaining for the neutral out there. I know there's a lot of listeners who are desperate to see Tromso win every week just to prove me wrong. Um, <laughs> out there, there's Viking fans who know that this might be their one chance to win the league, you know, in the next few years. And um, it's, as I say, it's, it's very exciting times in, in Norwegian elite. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit on the fence. I, I will give a prediction. Of, of my top three at the end of the season. I'm going to go Buda Glimt to win the title. Just I'm thinking now though, this is going to be, you know, margins of like one or two points, by the way, it's going to go. I think it's going to go the final day of the season. 
Um, so I'm going to go Viking second. I will go um, Mulder in third and Tromso fourth. That's very interesting because that is your preseason predictions change now. You did have Mulder to win the title, so you're jumping ship, which is totally fair enough. You had Tromso in ninth and you have Viking eighth, so both of them are sort of outdoing your expectations, but you've now switched to Glimp to win it. So let's see how that goes. And for those who haven't seen it, um, good shout out to our partners at Y Scout. Um, the article is entitled, well, the entire article is entitled Tromso IL, the flickering of the northern lights are getting brighter. And uh, you did upset one or two Buddha Glimp fans there with the uh, title that they've used on the tweet about Tromso's uh, traditional regional supremacy. But uh, I saw one or two comments from Glimp fans there on Twitter. You weren't too happy about that particular phrase, but uh, you can never you can never please them all, Steve. So well, you can't uh, please definitely, them. All, can definitely you? worth definitely worth a, a read if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and the nice analysis. And then who's to say that Mr. Meatman Sucker isn't impartial because he has given a full article's worth of co of content on Tromso, who he has spent this year mainly trying to avoid. So, so fair play to you on that one. Let's move on to the relegation battle now. I mean, we have talked about the two teams down the bottom there, uh, but there's one team we haven't spoken about, and it looks like maybe uh, it's getting a bit bleak for them, isn't it, Stephen? Who's that? Yeah, it's the old West Brom of Norway, uh, Arlesson. Just, it's going to be back to the Obos, I think, for them. Um, you know, 11 points now, minus 36 goal difference. They're 11 off safety. La I mean, they've got the absolute last chances this weekend against Starbeck. They've got to beat them, hands down. Even that's probably not going to be enough. They look like a team that might just have not, not given up the ghost a bit, but I think they realise that their their situation is really bland. Starbeck, obviously, then on 16 points. Um, but they've got a new manager. They've got some favourable fixtures. They've got games in hand. So they're certainly far from uh, down, in my opinion. And then we've got Haugusson on 20, the playoff spot. Sanderfield and Volarenga on 21. Both of them sides have actually shown improvement recently. Certainly Volarenga have been grinding away. Uh, Hamcam on 23. Um, yeah, they've had a good mid-season run as well. But equally, they could get sucked back into trouble if, if they're not careful. I think after that, I think Strom's God set on 26 have probably got enough points. Um, well, not got enough points, but you, you you think they can probably pick up a couple of wins before the end of the season. Um, so I think we're looking at 11th down are the teams that are going to be either going down uh, automatically or, or in the playoff spot, Jonathan, really. So by that rationale, you don't think Hamcam are safe at, at present as they are 23rd? Oh, sorry, as they are currently 11th no. points. No, they're, they're certainly not safe. Um, <clears throat> you know, they've had a good mid-season run, but if you watch some of their games, they have perhaps been a bit lucky in, in certain circumstances. The, 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 the ridiculous four-all draw against Glimt. I mean, I don't... I, <laughs> I could de dedicate half an episode to, to that game. It was absolutely bonkers. Um, Glimt won't really know how the, the hell they, they didn't win it. Um, and... You know, they've been mixed in with there. There were some good performances against Rosenborg, but we know that Hamcam defence isn't reliable enough. So if they're not careful, and they, they had a shocking run early in the season, and he lost eight out of nine games, they won't want that to happen again. Now, I, I, I don't think they will actually end up in the bottom three, but I think Volarenga are likely to finish above them just because they've got a far better squad. Um, Sanderfield, though, and Hargusson don't inspire me too much in terms of overall quality so 
I, I think Vaham Cam will finish up both of those two, which would put them in safety. Um, but they, they could still get sucked into trouble. I suppose God said if they're not careful, could as well. But it's going to take a pretty poor run of like sort of five games in a row defeats to get them in in, in some trouble. Um, at, the, at this point in time, I would say Allison. If I had to do a prediction, Allison bottom. I think Algerson will finish second bottom, and the playoff spot, I think, would be between Sandefjord and Starbeck. And it's a toss-up, really, either way there. I suppose you've got to say probably Starbeck because at the moment they've got a big deficit. But if Bradley gets some motoring, don't rule out that Starbeck side uh, for automatic set, uh, survival. So having said all that on the positive side, you do think that Rosenborg are now safe? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, if we look at it, 29 points for them and odd. Normally, that's enough to keep you up anyway, um, or just like one more win's needed. Um, I think both them sides will get in the mid to, mid to late 30s eventually. So I think they're fine. So Godset would be the only other side that could could get into trouble. You can't, I mean, they're so hard to predict. Anything's possible with them, but they've got a, a high enough percentage of, of wins, just two draws for them. I always say if you. If you win plenty of games and have a low draw percentage, that helps you out overall. And Godset and um, and Ham Cam actually this year um, have been good for that. Fantastic stuff. That will do for part one, I think. Unless yes. there's any other business, Steve, that you want to touch on. But I think we're I think we're done for part one. We're going to talk a little bit about Europe at the start of part two. Our two nations merging um, as we have a Europa League starting this week um, and European football. But uh, join us in part two. We're going to switch to Sweden and look at everything that's been going on there. And let's see if Bob Bradley's boys can motor themselves up the table. Join us after this short break. Well, welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, you're with Steve Wiss and Jonathan Faduba. Going to talk about the Svenskan uh, title race and relegation battle very soon. But before that, Europe, Europa League draw. Um, I was moaning in the Champions League qualifiers how we didn't get Molder against Hecken. But now they are drawn together in uh, Europa League group stage alongside Bayer Leverkusen and Karabag which I suppose is the second best thing, isn't it, really? Um, I mean, I don't, the chances of this happening were remarkably low, actually, I think. Um, so, uh, sensational stuff from UEFA. What were your thoughts when you saw the result of this? I mean, I, I was actually watching the, the, the Conference League and the Europa League draw, and they confused the hell out of me, like, genuinely. I Sometimes it's like there's only one option for teams to go in whatever group and that, and... Then I suddenly thought, hold on a minute, Mulder and, and Hecken are drawn together. Happy days. Yeah, welcome back. And you know what, Steve? I didn't actually um, realise we haven't done an episode since the uh, Hacken Aberdeen game. Um, so I need to talk about that game because I know it's a little bit in the past now. But that was a stunning game of football. It was one mm. of the best games I've seen this season. Agreed. And um, yeah, together at last, Mulder and Hacken. I mean, who would have thought it after they, like you said, you know, Klaxvik destroyed that dream. Um, but they wouldn't destroy destiny. So it seems like it was meant to be for these two teams. They go into a group with by Leverkusen and Karabag. Hack and play Leverkusen away this week, which is going to be a 
massive game, to be honest, and uh, a really tough one. I think a really nice reward for the whole club, really, playing such a big team in Germany. I think that's obviously the key tie. Qualification is probably going to come down to, you know, who does better against Karabag and who does better against Mott, between Matt Hacken and Mulder, isn't it? So those Hacken and Mulder games are going to be really important. But uh, I just wanted to quickly talk on about the um, the Hacken Aberdeen game, because I have to say, like I said, it was one of the best games I've seen. And Ibrahim Sadiq, you know, capped off his time at Beckel Hacken with a sensational performance. The Scott, it was on TV on, on BBC Scotland. I watched it live on HD and it was amazing. And uh, yeah, it was the commentator described it as one of the best individual performances you'll see at Potodri this season uh, from Sadiq. He was sensational. Um, he won a penalty, he got a couple of, he bagged a couple of goals, sensational strike, um, and really earned his move to Aidan Outmine. It was really emotional because at the end of the game, he gave a sort of um, a tearful interview where he was up on the verge of tears saying that that's his last game for Hacken and he'd, he'd done the job that he wanted to do, which was getting them into into the Europa League. Um, and honestly, like the the Aberdeen like media and the, the, the BBC Scotland were raving about him at the end. I mean, they, they were talking about him like, they were calling out the, the, the steal of the steal of the century, basically the, getting him for three million. Um, they couldn't believe that he'd gone for three million euros, basically. Like they were stunned. Um, and I did actually think it was a bit of a, you know, I think one of the commentators said if, if he hasn't, if the deal isn't done yet, just rip it up now because you can get probably an extra five, six million for him off the back of that game alone. Um, but yeah, it was a really, um, it was a really nice night of football. Actually, that I really enjoyed. It was brilliant, wasn't it? I. Really, really enjoyed that game. It was the atmosphere was great. I mean, I like I quite like Aberdeen as a club anyway. Their fans are quite passionate, aren't they? And they yeah. really they get stuck in. The, you know, it was the commentators were quite good that game as well. Uh, if you're watching over in they the really UK, good. they were really good comms, weren't they? And yeah, it was just it was two teams who just went man for man, hammer to hammer, to try and outscore the other. And I mean, there was that massive miss, weren't they? One on one. Yeah, miss um, it was like the miss of the set. I mean, it had a lot of things. It had a miss of the century. <laughs> it had like two of the best goals you'll see. It had like it had everything. VAR overturns. I mean, the referee VAR. had a shocking game on the field himself. But um, it was it's interesting that a World Cup referee it was a German World Cup referee. Uh, that no hesitation to that his his own official team called him upon his mistakes, unlike over in the Premier League, where I think refs look out, out for refs. So um, yeah. it's a good game, really good game. And yeah, I think, um, you know, fair play for Hecken to making it through to this group. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was Sadiq's probably arguably his best game for, for, for the club. I think I tweeted at the time. And um, yeah, really, I mean, there's 19,000 fans there. And like you said, Aberdeen, I've never been there before. But um, I mean, you know, they've got a soft spot in March just because of the Ferguson years and what he did there with them. That, you know, that's one of the best. That's one of the best fairy tales in football history, in my opinion, taking Aberdeen, conquering yeah. the old firm. And then winning the you you know winning the cup you cup winners come. I mean, imagine Aberdeen winning the European. They're the last team to win the title outside the old firm, I think. So. Yeah, and um, they beat Real Madrid in the final. You know, cup winners cup final, which is incredible. I was watching a documentary about that the other day, and uh, yeah, Aberdeen a bit of a story club. But moving on, yeah, massive coup for Hack, and they're going to get a lot of money from it. It's the first ever European campaign. They're going to be buzzing for that. Um, how it's going to affect the title, we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. Um, you know, we talked about the transfer window. They've they've lost some key names, and you know, Traore and Sadiq leaving is is quite a big um, pill for them to swallow, to be honest. Because Sadiq carried the mantle really, and in that game, he summed it up. I mean, he really, you know, Steve. Sometimes you get performances from a player where it's like they just take the scruff. They take. I love watching games where a player just takes the game by the scruff of the neck and just says, "This is my match." Do you know what I mean? 
and he did that in that match. And he, he almost he didn't single-handedly drag them through because I thought the midfield, Rigard, um, Gustafsson in particular, and Romeo, they they dominated that Aberdeen midfield. And that's really where the game was won um, in the midfield. But Sadiq was just the icing on the cake. He was incredible. But yeah, looking forward to the this this uh, set of games actually, and how can fully deserve their place in um, in this t- tournament. Yeah, and um, I mean this group for me, I'll, I'll give a prediction. It really, Bayer Leverkusen should probably win all their six group games. I think they're a very very good team. I've even uh, heard some people suggest that they are the second best team in Germany right now. On, on ratings and things like that. So this is going to be a tough, really tough test for both Hecken and Mulder and Karabag. Second spot's bang up for grabs. Um, I guess maybe the bias side in me will predict Mulder in second place. But, um, you know, Karabag's a tough place to go, isn't it? The old proverbial tough place to go. It's interesting, the Mulder-Hecken games are back-to-back, round number three and round number four. And in between that, Hecken actually have to face Mulder in the in the league so uh, mad period that for uh for hecken but um who do you see finishing second in this group presuming you also agree with me on leverkusen winning it do you know what? i think carabag can't be underestimated so i think i think fig- mm. figuring out i think carabag molders a big game this week just through figuring out their level um but i think Hacken will give Mulder a game i'm a little bit i mean we're gonna talk about it in a minute now i think we should probably move on to the to offense yeah. game but I'm a little bit down on Hack at the moment. I'm not sure um, how big an impact it is going to be losing Sadiq and, and Traore. This is basically a new. T- this is basically a different team to the team that won the league and started the season. It's 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 had to regenerate itself up front, and I'm not quite sure how good they are yet at the moment. So, um, you know, I just want to touch on that as well. Just say, you know, like I, I think I, we sent a tweet which was quite popular um, about Sadiq and Traore. They're, they're legends of the club basically now. Um, their, their place in the history of the club's secured. Um, for what they've done at the club, getting there. But um, yeah, I think I think we'll learn a lot. Um, but I, I'm a bit worried. I'd, I'd say I would be. I would if Hacken had their full strength team from the start of this season. I think they'd beat Molder, uh, arguably in both legs. But I, I'm just a little bit worried now about the transition. So I'm going to say, going to say Hacken. But I think it's going to be that's more of a heart thing than a head thing. Yeah, I think um, there's a case for all three. Really, teams to, and you never know. Leverkusen might have a um, a drop in in points somewhere, which that could be crucial for, for one of these uh, teams that finishes second. We look forward to that group anyway. We're going to move on to this uh, title race. Andrew Potter asked a very good question. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed how it's how it's gone for them recently. Actually, what happened with Elfsborg yesterday? Title chances now? Question mark about uh, Elfsborg. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, what what did happen to them? Hard to say, really. They've collapsed. I mean, they've lost two mm-hmm. games now in a row. Um, they are starting to struggle. A massive surprise, this 3-0 defeat to Kalmar at home. Uh, and if there's one team that you normally can rely on defensively this season, I think in those fence game, it's probably Elsborg. So to see them sort of get dismantled, really, uh, is quite stunning. Looking at the kind of underlying numbers, um, didn't really sort of do any better for Elsborg. Their expected goals of 1.03 versus um, 1.63 for Kalmar. Uh, that's according to our partners, Y Scout. Uh, Elsborg only have five shots on target in the whole game uh, to to Kalmar's eight. 
possession wise, they they edged it slightly, but but didn't really do much with the ball. Um, even in terms of passes, to be honest, um, they 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 had the better of the passes, four hundred and five passes completed, but Kalmar managed three hundred and seventy nine completed. So you, you can kind of, and they had a better uh, pass completion accuracy. So you get the sense that Kalmar are a little bit more organised. They were sharper, um, and they were just a better side. I, I didn't see the game myself, I'll be honest, but um, yeah, there's something going on at, at Elsborg at the moment. Uh, like I say, two back to back defeats, which is really what you don't need at this time of the season. And they've lost actually three of the last five because they also lost to Hammerby um, back in August. So they've only won two of their last five games. And both of those were at home to um, North Shopping and Malby. So, yeah, real wobble. I think if I had to put my finger on it, Steve, the one thing I would say is I feel like, they, I feel like they've like they been hampered by the transfer business. We talked about, you know, you, you talked about teams who have come out of the window well and come, come out of the window poorly. I think Elsborg have been battered in the transfer window, to be honest. Um, Injury to Valdemarsen hasn't helped. Their goalkeeper, of course, so he he didn't play. Uh, I think he was suspended as well in a recent match as well. Um, then um, they, they, basically the whole spine of teams been affected. Steve, you know, Odrejka they managed to keep keep they managed to keep rolling without him. Jeppe Ockels took over the the mantle there, but then in the spine of the team, Lagerbilka moving to Celtic, you know, that's not helped them in the back at the back. He was a key pillar of that centre back uh, partnership. Uh, they brought in Buhari. He scored an own goal against Kalmar and he, you know, he's looked a little bit ropey. He's actually from uh, a team that I remember you, Steve, during the pandemic, being on Football Manager, Plateau United. Uh, Buhari, he's um, signed from Plateau United, the Nigerian. But yeah, he scored an own goal. He's not, you know, it's going to take him time to settle in. He, it's almost an impossible ask for 10 games to go to come in and, you know, in your first season, really, of first-team football, replace someone like Lagerbilka, who, who was such an important player. In midfield, of course, losing uh, Roma hasn't helped. They've brought in Balderson, who looks like a good player, but it's just a lot of um, it's just a lot of sort of it's just a big reshuffle of the team that they didn't they don't need at this time when you're going for the title. And um, although I think they've sort of recruited quite intelligently, you still need time to bed in and settle down. And when you're trying to do that and win a title for the first time in however many years it is against the Malmo and the Hacken side, who are both you know who have both got really big advantages, Steve. You know, Hacken have won the title last season and Malmo don't have any European football and they're kind of, you know, they're Malmo. So you don't really have much leeway to sort of make mistakes. Um, I just think losing those players, economic reality has kind of started to dominate, you know, what they can do on the pitch. And it's it's a tough balance because you get to the summer, people start to try and steal your players. You can't do much financially because, you, you you know, you have to take the money on offer. Celtic offered, I think, what, three million euros for Elsborg. That's, that's a lot of money. You can't really turn it down. But at the same time, you know, if you're going for the title during that period, it's, the transfer window is really harsh on teams in Scandinavia, to be honest, because of where it is in the in the season. It, it really can punish the smaller teams, I think. Um, and if you were sort of looking at why aren't there more maybe smaller teams winning titles, you you would have to point to that as well, because it really does hamper those those teams, in my opinion. Um, and I think that's where Elfsburg have fallen away. I'm not saying they're out of it yet. I still think they've got a chance, but it's not. I'd say their chances percentage-wise are going down. It's very worrying for them. They haven't scored a goal in three of their last five games. I think the writing was starting. There was a couple of results I was worried about them a month or so ago. Um, and they only just scraped past the likes of, uh, I think, Sirius. It was 1-0. Um, you know, they lost at Varnamo just before the international break. More on Varnamo in a minute. That's not as bad a result as it looks. But to lose at home to Kalmar 3-0 and Kalmar... I've not been the freest scoring team this year. They've been quite a low scoring side. Um, and I think even their most diehard supporters would admit that they're just 
bang average really this season. So, you know, good performance from Kalmar, definitely. You're right. The first goal, I think, was a goalkeeping, not mistake, but you, you, I think Vladimarsson probably would have prevented the the ball being um, gone into into the striker's path. And um, yeah, they've got to pick themselves up, Elsborg. They do have some favourable fixtures. I, I looked. Um, but it's it's tricky for them. Malmo are top of the table. They, you're right, they don't have any European football now. Uh, 49 points for them, 48 for Elfsborg, 47 for Hecken, who had a come-from-behind victory uh, for them. Malmo, I mean, their form it, it hasn't been amazing, but that is a good win for them away against Hammerby, three goals to one. Oliver Berg on the score sheet again. He already looks like an inspired piece of business in this window. Um, he might just be the missing piece that, they want the type of player that really suits um, this uh, Henrik Rikstrom style. Yeah, it's an interesting signing and quite a controversial one, but it could end up being a masterstroke. And who knows, it might actually end up winning Man of the League. Um, Rikstrom bringing in a player he knows. Of course, they were together at Kalmar and they were a bit of a dream team there. He was like the key man at Kalmar under Rikstrom, knows him inside out. Um, obviously, there's that whole tapping up controversy. With Diff, it didn't really work out for him at Eurogarden. I saw a question they put to him the other day. And, you know, why is he already doing better at, at Malmo than he did in the whole time at Eurogarden? The simple answer was he's, he's around better players. A little bit of a dig at Eurogarden, I think. But it's also the stylistic fit. I just, I, like I said, um, when it happened, Eurogarden just didn't really find a place for him, I don't think. I think they wanted to play strikers. And they also wanted to play Berg as a false nine. And you can't really do both. So it, I feel like it never quite... They did get rid of their strikers in the end, Jurgen. Ironically, they got rid of Vardson, they got rid of um, Bergstrom. Uh, I know they brought in a couple of other ones, but they got rid of some strikers. But then they also got rid of Berg, so they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's a massive win at Hammerby. Uh, Malmo seemed to maybe that international break. I think it might have helped them. I know obviously they'll have a few away on international duty, but it just seems like they've been wobbling themselves. Malmo, don't forget, they haven't exactly been doing amazing lately. Um, but They've 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 recovered with that win at uh, at Hammerby and you know listen Hammerby aren't amazing I mean you know going back to Ellsborg Jimmy Telling came out afterwards and said this is rock bottom for us um, after that defeat and uh, he did actually make four substitutions at halftime uh, he was so annoyed about it um, and you know we're going to see basically how he changes things in the weeks to come because obviously clearly we're not happy with half the team um, so it's a big challenge for him. Um, there's a lot of talk at the moment, Steve, by the way, just on an off-topic about who will be the next Sweden manager because uh, Sweden's place at the Euros is looking in real jeopardy and um, there's rumours Jan Anderson might be replaced and Tellin's actually one of the con emerging contenders to be the next Sweden manager. Um, so, you know, his, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at him in the next few months to see how he deals with this title race. Um, he's clearly not happy. But, yeah, I think with Malmo, maybe that international break is going to, have given them a little bit of uh, what they needed, just some time to train, bed in the new players. They've had a lot, like I said, they, they've sort of gone through what Elsborg have gone through, but they've gone through it about two months earlier, you know, with um, with the likes of Hugo Larson leaving, bringing in Rosengren, who scored, by the way, a really good goal, uh, his first goal for Malmo in that Hamby win. Um, you know, having to bring in, they've brought in like, the likes of Jorgensen, Pontus Janssen, of course. Malmo have had a lot of uh, rejuvenation as well, and they, they had a similar issue with some poor results. Um, but this might be the trigger now that, that keeps them sort of um, maybe maybe they can go from here and get some momentum. Um, funnily enough, Pontus Janssen came out and said uh, that um, Henrik Riesstrom went with a really attacking lineup and he said it was a brave 11. 
with no handbrake on it. Um, so I think there was a little bit of surprise in the dressing room when they saw the starting lineup because it really was almost all out attack, to be honest. They had Vecchia, they had Tara Ali, they had Nanasi, they had Takisa Tellin, they had pretty much every forward player they could field. Um, uh, really strong went with sort of a three centre backs, and then almost every other player was was offensive, really. So a brave 11, uh, and it's paid off. And uh, listen, the one thing about Malmo, I think once they get some momentum with no European football, they've already got that now, so that know how. I mean, Reeshaw hasn't won a title, but you know he seems to sort of know how to win games. So this could be the week that maybe they got everything into gear. Yeah, I'm just looking at the fixtures, and this is when you do really have to look at fixtures. There's only seven rounds left in Sweden. That Mamo's last two matches are away at Hacken and at home to Elfsborg, but will there be away in clear by then? Because I mean, just looking at their next four, they've got Degerfors, Bromapoik, and a Kalmar and Varberg. I struggle to see how they're dropping points in those four fixtures, Jonathan. So with full focus on the league, um, I, I certainly think it's in their hands, no doubt about it whatsoever. The, the rest of them have just somehow got to keep pace with Malmo before those last two crunch fixtures. And if they're still in the title race, then anything could happen. But I think Hacken and both Ellsborg and Hacken would probably want to be facing Malmo sooner rather than later. It just might be too late by the time round 29 and round 30 come. Could possibly be. So that that's that's the way I, I would say that. Just went on hacking again, though. I mean, that's and they beat Helmstad three two, second time in 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 home games recently where they look they basically snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Very similar match against Sirius. I mean, they should be beating those sides at home comfortably without any dramas. But I suppose fair play, they they come back again. They've got great heart. And they've always got goals in them, Hecken. They've got an amazing home record, 11 out of uh, 12 home wins. They've won the title recently. There's something about this this, this squad. Um, you can never write them off, can you? No, and I think that's actually one thing that we they they don't get praised enough for, their, their resilience. They're actually a really resilient team. Um, they've, they've won a lot of games late on this season. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of a few, but... You know, they've done it again against uh, Halmstad, although you might ask the question why they lose in those games in the first place, why they're behind. But they have scored a lot of their of late goals, I think. Um, so just look, you know, just looking at sort of recent games, you know, that 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 game against uh, Halmstad, obviously they've won that in the 90th minute with uh, Hovland's goal. Uh, they were they were 2-1 down. Obviously, they were comfortable first half, but then went 2-1 two, two down early in the second half, uh, managed to come back. I'm just thinking of, for example, the Sirius game before that with the famous rant, obviously, about Sirius um, on the last show. Um, you know, that was the 90th minute winner, even though it was an own goal. Uh, you know, Varberg boys, they were one up and got a late goal in the 86th minute to sort of secure the win. Uh, don't forget, for example, beating Elspore with 10 men, coming from 1-0 down. So they've shown a lot of resilience. Uh, Bromer Poik in the game in July, Steve, when they only scored two in the 90th minute um, after they were pegged back to, they were 2-1. Peg back to 2-2, sorry. They were 2 nil up, went 2-2, and then got two in the last minutes. So, yeah, it depends how you want to sort of uh, take that. You, I can even go back to the 8th of July, Sadiq goal in the 75th minute at, at AIK when they were 1-0 down, came back to win. So there's been loads of games they've come back to win from late, from behind and loads of games that they won late. Sometimes I think to myself, is that is that a good sign or a bad sign? Because you, sometimes you think, well, a good team eventually might get might get caught out by that. But I think they are pretty well equipped to deal with the title race. 
it's just the fact that I'm still not sure about, for example, Hurstich and Layuni. Um, they're not as effective as Traore and, and Sadiq. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Maybe they can sort of still win a title, but I, they, they've lost two massive talisman. Um, even Jeremy F, I don't think, I don't think Hurstich is the level of, for example, Jeremy F, who, who scored all those goals to win them the title. Uh, definitely not yet anyway. So it's going to be on players like Rigor maybe to, to, to sort of pull them over the line. Don't forget, they've also lost other players. Lund's gone to Italy. Uh, they, lost their, they lost their first choice left back, um, which we didn't talk about much really in the transfer window. We've lost a couple of other defenders who have gone, like I mentioned, Lucena in, in, in part one of the show. Okay, he wasn't a regular, but he still got games every now and then. Um, so they have, they, you know, they've lost a lot of players. But yeah, they do have that resilience. I think they're, they're not as good as they were last season going into the final seven games. You know, last season they were really flying. They were taking on everyone in all cylinders. I just don't think they're at that level yet. Will they pick it up again? It's going to depend on Layuni and Hurstich. One thing I noticed about Layuni, Steve, I feel like he gets the ball too deep and too wide. Uh, every time he gets the ball, it's like he has to beat like four men or something. I, He's I don't a frustrating know player, isn't he? I've said this before. I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it's games, his but... fault. I don't know if it's his fault. Like he, uh, Either he's being given an instruction or he's just not that kind of player, but he's not as like cut and thrust as Sadiq where he's, he doesn't seem to be receiving the ball in the same positions. It's like he's receiving a lot deeper. So he's, he's, he's made, he's a lot more disconnected from the front, from the front forward line. Sonko is a really young player. He's only 18, 19, you know, on the left side. So he's really inexperienced. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with you when you say that, that Malmo probably, I mean, I've always had Malmo as my favorites to win the league this year. Mm. I think the momentum is gradually swinging towards Malmo. I mean, you look at that squad, Steve, it's it's just packed full of good players now, really. And I guess the one thing is going to be, can they can they juggle it and get the balance right? Because every week they're going to have to leave a couple of good players out. Um, but yeah, the momentum's probably in their favour, especially with Europe to consider for Hacken. Yeah, it does look quite good for Malmo in that title race, but it is still close in the points. So anything can happen. Um, we're going to talk about the relegation battle in a minute, but one question before then from Lewis uh, Dalmeida. Thanks very much for your question here, Lewis. Can, uh, I presume this is a bit of a mistype or something, can Varnamo um, win the whole thing? But he's a moron about the best coach team in the league by miles. Varnamo, again, another great win against Jurgaard, and they have this um, knack of, of doing really well against the big teams. Um, I saw Thomas Frank on Monday Night Football tonight on Sky. And Brentford do really well against big teams. Farnham remind me a bit of Brentford, in a way. Um, they just they're so hard, aren't they, to, to face, especially as an underdog. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic comparison. Actually, they I think they are the Brentford of Sweden. Uh, maybe not in terms of their transfer business. They're very creative in the market, but um, you know they're not. They don't do that kind of money ball type system that uh, Matthew Burnham and everyone at Brentford does. But they're certainly. In terms of their, their structure, the way they play, they're the most tactically innovative, I think. Um, we've had to lay with David Cellini on the podcast and, of course, the assistant manager there. And, of course, he's pretty open on Twitter. He posts, like, training sessions. He posts full clips of their training sessions. And you can see what they work on every week. And he's really, like, open and transparent with it. And they're really, like, they, it's really exciting watching those clips. You know, really, you can really see the work they put into training and trying to create different ways of being clever in different situations. Um and yeah, they're punching above their weights. They're, they're a team that the big boys tend to struggle against, just like Brentford. Um, you know, I watched that as well, actually, Monday Night Football. And Thomas Frank, you know, talked about how um, they've done the double over Man City last season, of course. They took, they, they, you know, they beat Liverpool. I always find it quite funny on Monday Night Football, Steve. I feel like sometimes it's Jamie Carragher, like a, 
Is he like a plant? Is he like a Liverpool plant on that show? Because he always asks questions about Liverpool, like tactically. Yeah, I saw him asking about Brentford, what did you do tactically? And then he did the same thing, didn't he, uh, for someone else on the show. I can't remember who it was. He always seems to ask questions about Liverpool. Like, well, how did you play against Liverpool? Like, So I feel like there's a bit of a dodgy industry plant going on there. But anyway, that's my conspiracy theory. Um, but but yeah, like I would say Vinamo are a similar team. You know, look at that win against Jurgarden this week. I know Jurgarden, they were struck down with illness. So obviously quite a few players missed the game. Uh, Danielson missed the match. Um, a few others missed it. So they were missing some key players, actually, um, Diff. But brilliant first goal um, in that match. Uh, for Varnamo and uh, they've got some really good players it's, they're not that consistent sometimes it's a bit they're a bit of an unpredictable side I mean the the question is can they win the league well I mean mathematically yes but they're 17 points behind Malmo so they're going to need to it's going to be the greatest end to a season in history if they did manage to win it um, but <laughs> uh, but yeah I don't think that's quite going to happen but they, they can they certainly I think will stay up um, no troubles there and that's even that in itself is a bit like Brentford. I don't think, you know, what I thought was interesting with Thomas Frank, Steve, is he talked about expectations and how the expectations always go up. But people, I think fans and everyone just always sometimes forget, don't they? Like Brent, Brent, Brentford shouldn't even really be in the Premier League, let yeah. alone, yeah. you know, they were asking him, can he get top eight and stuff like this? And it's like, sometimes you need a bit of a reality check to just realise where you are. Um, and, and for Varnamo, <laughs> avoiding relegation is like, that's where they should be. They've got the lowest budget in the league by miles, I think, as of last season. I don't know if they had any injections of cash, but they, they, they're they by miles one of the smallest budgets. So for them to even be kind of anywhere near mid-table is a massive coup uh, for them and, and a testament to everyone at the club. So, yeah, I, I actually got a theory that we turned Luis de Almeida into a Varnamo fan from that podcast with David Cellini because I remember him saying after that show that he he didn't really know much about Varnamo and he's, he's become a sort of mini fan of theirs. So I feel like we can take a bit of credit there, Steve, for, um, for, for the Varnamo love, but... Um, yeah, really well-run club and uh, long may it continue for them because, you know, I think this summer, Steve, that I think their manager's going to have a lot of interest from bigger clubs in Sweden. So the, there's rumours they already turned down EF Core. Let's see if there's any other teams that maybe fancy them in the summer, but uh, in the winter, sorry. But for now, Varnamo fans will be enjoying that ride. Done brilliantly. I have to, I have to give them a lot of credit and they're going to be safe this season, no doubt about it um, at all. I know we haven't got long left here, but uh, relegation battle is getting really close there. The big boys, Icor and uh, EF Core Jotterborg, have been in better form recently, especially EF Core. Um, but far from safe still because uh, Dagger Force keep getting the odd win serious <laughs> with a 7 0 win. I think they might have been listening to the Nordic Football Podcast because <laughs> they were a lot more clinical in this game. Varberg, absolutely horrendous. I'm sure you might slag them off here for about half a minute, uh, Jonathan. Bromma Poikin are getting sucked into trouble as well. 7-0 win for Sirius. Let's give them their moment in the sun before we sign off this episode. Yeah, we should praise them, obviously, after slamming them on the last show. Um, but that's what they can do, Stephen. That's why I've slammed mm. them. I don't just I don't do this just randomly. Like it, there's a reason there's a reason. You knew it was there. You knew yeah, they've got there. the ability, Steve. They're a good footballing side. Like that's listen. Uh, you like teams that attack. You mentioned it in part one. You like teams to play attacking yeah. football. Serious, try and play the right way. They they, mm. they try and go about things in the in the right way. And you know, to a certain extent, Steve, it would be a travesty if they went down. And I think that's what my rant was a little bit about. It's like, you know, they do try and play the right way. I mean, they've scored more goals than than Hammerby. They've scored more goals than Jurgen. 
all right, seven of them were at the weekend, but you know, they've, they've scored more goals than like most of the top teams um, in the league, really. So they, they're one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, they've got decent XG as well. But like I said, they, they kind of fall asleep late in games, and, and that's what's cost them. I guess the best way to counter that, Steve, is score five goals in the first half in every match. And then it doesn't matter if you can see two in the last minute um, of every game because you'll be fine. But yeah, to sort of cap it off, I mean, let's not get carried away here. They are in the relegation playoff still. And that just sums it up, the fact that they can win 7-0 and it only takes them into the relegation playoff. And they're still a massive outsider now to, to sort of survive. You look at ARK now, uh, two points ahead of them. Um, EF Koyotaburg has really picked up form. I need to briefly mention them as well. Bromo Puekina may be getting sucked into it. But apart from that, you know, Sirius in a massive battle now and, and it's all of their own doing, Steve. I mean, that win, if you look at the look at the goal difference between Degafors and Sirius, minus 26 points, uh, minus 26 goal difference, better, sorry, uh, Sirius to Degafors. That just tells you everything you need to know about this team. Um, shouldn't be anywhere near the relegation battle, in my opinion, in terms of the sort of style of football they play. But they lack concentration at key area, key moments, and that's what's cost them. Um on the side of Varberg, it was really alarming. Um, it's almost like they gave up at two nil. Uh, they had a team, they had a huddle at two nil down. Uh, pretty sure it was two nil. It was either two nil or three nil down. You know when it, you know you know when you see a team huddle, Steve. You know that you know a team's in trouble basically. Wait, after if they're sort of two nil, three nil down, and you get a team huddle, you know it's like it's like they've not spoken all week. Do you know what I mean? And it's like it's like yeah. they've been in the changing rooms and not spoken, and they suddenly decide like midway through a game like. Let's try and communicate. It's all for me. It's always a massive. That's a massive red flag of a team that's just basically packed it in. Um, almost tried to rally themselves, but they still couldn't rally themselves beyond conceding seven more, go- you know, four more goals. So took an absolute pepper in. Um, they're a bit like Arlesen for me. I think in in Norway, they're for me they're down, and it's now just about saving face. It's almost like last. It's almost like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air that meme. You know, last one out of the room, turn out the lights basically. I feel like they've nearly packed in for the season. But then again, they had a massive win against Varberg the week before that, 4-3. That was a huge game. So you never know. They've sucked Varberg into uh, they swapped Borough Poikin into it with that win. Um, yeah, I'll talk about EFQ just quickly. I think with Macholi and Santos, they're doing really well. And, signed well, haven't they? In the yeah, summer. they've signed well. And it looks like Jens Bertolasco, former, former podcast, slowly turning things around mm-hmm. there. You just mentioned as well, ARK beating Degafors. They weren't amazing at ARK, but they got the win, vital win. So, um, yeah, we, we have to pray serious, but you, they're not out of it, Stephen. They've got some tough games coming. No, they're not. They're not at all. Barberg, I, 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 they could lose every game. And that's the sort of result that just completely deflates aside. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, won't, I won't actually ask you for a prediction but who goes down, but who do you hope is the second team that goes down? Oof, that's almost worse than asking me to predict it. <laughs> Um, I'm, no, I'm naughty, aren't I? I am naughty, John. That is cheeky. Uh, while, you, while you think about that, I just want to have a brief... Before we sign off, I saw highlights from a Super Retin game tonight. It was Oster, who were in the promotion mixer against Vastaras. Massive game at the top. The goalkeeper, Milio Prekovic, scored a 96-minute equaliser with a brilliant header from a corner um, to keep... That was That's a big point for Oster. Might well keep them in the automatic promotion race. Upsikan, Vastaras and Oster in the top three spots of Super Retin right now. Geis. We could see the return of Geis in Aspenskin next season, Jonathan. Um, and uh, almost certainly uh, one of them will, re- will be replacing Varberg. And the second team to go down? 
who do you hope? Well, isn't, it is? ama- isn't it amazing, Steve? How sometimes um, relegation can like just reawaken the whole club. I mean, guys have just been tinkering yeah. around. Guys have been tinkering around Super Etting for the whole time we've done this podcast. They've never been anywhere near promotion, I don't think. Get relegated. And now mm. they're on the of back-to-back promotions, which is exactly what Rimmel Poikin did when they went down to the third division. So it's crazy, isn't it, sometimes, you know, the, uh, how relegation can rejuvenate a team. As a Leeds fan, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, well, yeah, it happens, mate. It um, Look at Ipswich Town as well, yeah, by exactly, the way, yeah. recently. So, um, but yeah, listen, I, I'm not going to say I want a team to go down because there's, there's no teams that I dislike. So it's not like like any listeners will know I don't just rant for the sake of it because I don't like a team. It's it's usually with an intention behind it. Um, you know, you know, and I think... the, ironically, <laughs> two, two, I think my three biggest rants of the season have been Sirius, Degafors, and Varberg, yeah. and I don't actually really want any of them to go down. To be honest. Um, Degafors have started to turn it around a little bit. They look a little bit more tight defensively. Um, I don't actually want any of those three to go down. I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, Varberg, I don't care if they go down, actually. Um, I feel like they've run out of steam and it's, it's time for them to go. It is, yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um, they maybe could benefit from rejuvenating, getting rid of maybe some of that those 45 players on their books and sort of just, you know, starting to kind of act like a, a normal club. Obviously, the manager's gone now. So, you know, I don't know if he was part of that whole th- whole shenanigans. Um, but you still I haven't do, forgiven I them do, for I, do, I mean to update your spreadsheets with 50 players. Yeah, I I do Bromer worry Poikiner, about, are they in trouble? I do worry about Bromer Poikiner. I think I think they've got a tough they've got a tough run actually, Steve. They've still got to play Malmo away. Uh they've still got to play Jurgarden, Ellsborg, Hacken. Um they've got Sirius away. Uh, and they've got Mialbi away. So I don't think Bromer Poikin are actually out of it, to be honest. So they could get suckered into it. Um, so I'm going to do what I usually do, Stephen, sit on the fence for another week or two. Uh, but one thing I'll say is it's looking good for EF Court and AIK. I think they'll just about have enough to stay up. I, I still think Halmstad are not 100% safe. And they were if they they were lucky to beat Sirius... If they'd not had that win, I think they'd be massively in trouble. But, I mean, they should have enough now. But um, I'm still keeping my eye on them um, in case they have a, a shocking end to the season. That will do for this episode. It's been great with you, Jonathan. Um, thank you very much for your support, everyone. Remember, you can check us out on the socials at Nordic Footpod, at Meatman Soccer, at JF Football. Do check out that Scout blog, like I said, on Tromso. And uh, we look forward to a very exciting period of games uh, before the next international break, it's gonna—it's really hotting up domestically and in Europe. So, um, good show as always, mate. Yeah, and just before we finish, Steve, I'll tell you one team who aren't going to go down, and that is Mialbi. What an incredible season they're having! Two new winners away to North Shopping tonight. Uh, Anders Torstensen, the military mastermind, is having a fantastic season. They've been brilliant. I mean, for them to be where they are on the table, Steve, they're currently seventh. Uh, mm. they're only a couple of points off fifth. Uh, what a season they're having! So, yeah, I've got to give a shout out to, to me because we haven't talked about them too much this season. Um, but yeah, that'll be it. And so, it's, it's great to see you again, and uh, we'll see you again very soon. We certainly will. Yeah, take care, everyone. We will see you next time. Right, goodbye and take care for now.